Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On, PFF's college football show. I'm your host, Max Chavik, alongside my co-host, Dalton Wasserman. And we have an absolutely loaded show for you guys today. Dalton, a ton of stories broke over the weekend. It was an unreal weekend of college football to begin with. Then a ton of stories broke over the, uh, over the weekend. And we're also getting into our New Year's Six Bowl projections and, of course, trivia at the end of the show. I'll see if I can do better than my 4-for-5 four performance last week. But, man, we have a lot to talk about today, Dalton. We sure do. I mean, it, uh, the word for me right now is tension. It feels like whether you're in the playoff race or out of it or your season's over, bowl game, not, everything feels so tense, doesn't it, Max? And and between the games on the field being a ton of them incredibly close, we got some great games over the weekend. The action we're getting off the field, some, te- some teams are starting their offseason yeah. already, to be honest with you. You've got, I mean, you, this, this season's got everything. It's got action. It's got great teams. It's got controversy. It's got what's going to be an unbelievable playoff race. Uh, speculation, just everything. We've got everything on the table right now. And, you know, you look in every direction, that there is no shortage of things to talk about and see right now. There is just, there's so much going on. And we still have two weeks left just of the regular season with massive games to go and then conference championships. We're, we're in for a wild ride for the next, like, month and a half. Oh, we absolutely are. And we have to start with the biggest story that broke over the weekend, which is Texas A&M is moving on from Jimbo Fisher. He is no longer the Texas A&M head coach. We had kind of inklings that this would happen, but man, they set the record, Dalton, for the biggest buyout in college football history. They are paying Jimbo Fisher basically $75 million to stay at home now. The previous record was Gus Malzahn at $21.5 million, so over three times that is what Texas A&M is paying. And not only that, they're paying over $100 million when you factor in all the staff that they're letting go as well. So Texas A&M, a pretty penny they are spending to uh, get rid of Jimbo Fisher. And of course, they're going to hire a new coach too. Probably going to be a splash hire. But overall, Dolan, what are your initial takeaways from Texas A&M letting go of Jimbo Fisher? Um, well, I-, I would take a $75 million severance. I'm going to hate that. But <laughs> Um, no, I just think I think this is this is such a matter of expectation and how hard it is to win in the SEC and especially the SEC West. For as long as Nick Saban is sitting there and now Kirby Smart at Georgia, the expectation of of winning the SEC and going to the playoff. Now a twelve team playoff is gonna change things now. Yeah. So that now becomes a very different animal. And I wonder if that played a factor into this of like we need to raise the standard. Because honestly, Texas A&M, you know, the last couple of years, they have played like a relatively average football team, right? We make a bowl game, we win seven or eight. In the SEC, seven or eight wins is kind of average, right? They, it, they, they really need – there's a significant step up between Alabama and even LSU and Ole Miss still mm-hmm. and where Texas A&M is right now. I think the SEC, there's a pretty clear top half and bottom half, right? You've got all the contenders, the ranked teams – and then you've got teams floating below that, clearly below that in AM and Florida and South Carolina and Mississippi State. And he said, you know, Mississippi State like letting go of Zach Arnett too. They're they're trying to bridge that gap. And if they don't feel like they can bridge that gap with Jimbo Fisher, they're going to feel like this is the right move. Um I I think we're I, I think we're about to get into this argument, but the, the expectation is so high at AM. It's it's going to be hard for anybody to fulfill that. 
Yeah, so my take is, this, so I think I, we might disagree on how good the job is. My take is this is maybe a top 10 job in the country, and I would say probably a top 15 job in the country, mainly because of the deep pockets that those boosters have at Texas A&M. I mean, we just showed you guys. They're paying $75 million to Jimbo Fisher. Every other school in the country, first of all, wouldn't give that kind of contract to Jimbo to begin with because it couldn't afford it. Secondly, they wouldn't do it because they're like, okay, we can't afford to fire him. Texas A&M's like, no, 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 we're firing him. We're, we're starting over. We're paying over $100 million to do this. That just shows how deep those pockets are in College Station. And it shows as well when you look at the 2022 recruiting class they brought in. Texas A&M, you know, we talk about how Alabama and Georgia are the class of the SEC. Texas A&M in 2022 had the greatest recruiting class we've ever seen. And that usually is dominated by teams like Alabama, like Georgia, like Ohio State, the elite programs. Texas A&M, even though they went, I think, 8-4 and four the year before, they still had the greatest recruiting class ever with eight of the top 25 recruits in the country going to Texas A&M that year. And a lot of that was due to NIL. I mean, that whole started the whole controversy between Jimbo and Nick Saban when Nick Saban said, you know, they buy all their players. It's like, yeah, morals aside – they can. They can buy those players because they can afford to buy those players. The facilities, Kyle Field just got a, a lot of renovations done too. They got the football facilities that are top-notch. I mean, they have some of the best facilities in the country. I think this is a program that has the resources to compete for national championships. They just haven't found the coach yet. Kevin Sumlin did not work out. Jimbo Fisher did not work out. This is a job that I think you could probably count on two hands the amount of coaches that will look at Texas A&M and say, yeah, you know what, what I have right now is probably better than that. Otherwise, any other coach in the country will look at that and say, man, that is a lot of resources and I could win big at Texas A&M. So in my opinion, I think this is a top 10 to definitely top 15 job in the country. I don't know how you feel about it, though. I, I think, and I think that's exactly how Jimbo Fisher went into it. Wow, look at all this stuff they have. Look at all this money. And I'm curious how many of these kids will think about the portal. I mean, you still, I think there's still the thing in college where your head coach and your coaching staff that recruited you, yeah, you know, you're kind of loyal. You're kind of loyal to them, and and you kind of they brought you in still. Now, if you're just going and getting kids that don't fit your program, and you're just buying all the kids you can and all these stars on the on the recruiting things and all this. I, I don't know that that works. You can have all the talent in the world, but clearly they don't execute. Max, you know Texas A&M, for as high as their expectations are and as much as we talk about them every year, you know they haven't won a conference title of any sort since 1998. Yeah. I, I So, I mean, this the standard and the expectation can be talked about all you want, but they haven't actually been at that level in, in almost 30 years. So they're they're searching they're searching for something that I, I think we've had some of these talks in the past with Notre Dame too, where it's like you're searching for something that I don't know is in front of you. You're competing with elite the, the it's the SEC the elite of the the program Alabama. You're competing. You're trying to get on Alabama's level, and they've beaten them a couple of times. I remember Johnny Manziel beating them, or they beat them two years ago at the last second, which is probably Jimbo's biggest win in A&M. Mm -hmm. But I think the expectation versus execution and what can realistically be expected here, you can have as many stars on the recruiting trail as you want, but if you don't execute and those guys don't fit what you're trying to do, then it really doesn't matter. Because at the, at the end of the day, player development's a big thing, and Alabama's developing better players. Georgia's developing better players. You know, it doesn't matter how good you think they are as high school seniors. You still have to develop them and get out there and execute. 
and they just haven't done that at the level that they expect to. No, and I think, but I think that also goes back to the coach, though. I think it just goes back to they just haven't had a good coach yet. They haven't had Kevin. They had well, Kevin Sumlin and Jimbo. What, Fisher. what then? Then what did Jimbo do at Florida State that's not working now? I think this, he just didn't change his offense at all from Florida State to now. I don't think he ever changed. He's like a little bit dab with Sweeney, where it's just like, oh, what, what, what worked in 2013 will work in 2023. I think that's what his problem was at Texas A&M, in my opinion, was that the offense just didn't update ever. So uh, I, I, I'll, I'll give you, I will give you that. Yeah. But I, I don't think, I don't know that that's so bad. I mean, I, I don't think every offense has to be like hyper speed. I, I don't think they run that like dissimilar an offense from Washington. I, I don't think it's that different in offense. Like Washington doesn't do a ton of like RPO crazy 2023 stuff. They just they execute what they do at a really really high level. Yeah, and to be fair too, I mean they had to start their star quarterback Connor Wegman go down early in the season. Like who knows where A and M would be right now? I mean they're still I think six and four I believe their record is right now. They they lost by three to Ole Miss. Um, I listen I like Jimbo. I think he's a good coach, but again I in my opinion I mean when you look at how good a job is, you got to separate kind of what the you know the trophy case is from how good an actual job is because in terms of a job in terms of how much money you get to play around with in terms of the facilities you have I mean you could get it the best players in the country to go to this school um, with a good coach they just have to get that coach where it's like Georgia you look at Georgia man Georgia didn't win anything since like what 80s before Kirby Smart they get the coach but everyone kind of knew hey they have the resources I, I mean they yeah but here's here I, I've Georgia with Mark Richt was better than Texas A&M currently is. Well, I, don't, I don't think that's true either. But Georgia was like a top I, 15. I think a and I think A&M, this is going to sound, I think A&M with the cash and, and, the, and the glitz and glamour and in Texas and all this, I think it's the best job in theory. I think it's why Jimbo Fisher took the job. Jimbo Fisher is, he's, not, he's a great coach. When Jimbo Fisher got that job, he was undoubtedly a top five coach in the country. He has a national title uh, uh, under his belt. And in this era, with Saban winning half of them and Smart winning the other half, it's really hard to get a trophy. I, I and, it's, and what you're competing with, I, I just think there's a significant gap. I don't know, other than the cash, the paycheck is ridiculous. The paycheck to leave is ridiculous, clearly. But I, I don't know that this is the elite, elite job. You know, then uh, I mean, we can get into it now. But the name I've seen thrown around the most for this is Dan Lanning. I would, and if I'm Dan Lanning, why would I? Why would I leave? Yeah, agreed. I agree with that. I've, I've got, I've got just as good a paycheck. I've got Nike, man. Why would I leave Oregon? Now I'm going to the Big you. Ten. Oh yeah, going to the Big Ten. Also, like that's like that's one of those jobs. So we'll talk about uh, a name, uh, another name that I think is being thrown around. That again is like in that Dan Lanning camp where it's like. I don't think you should leave. Mike Norvell, I've seen thrown around a lot too, where it's like, dude, he's got a cushy job. The way the ACC is right now, I wouldn't leave there either. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like you look at that. I think to leave, for a head coach to leave a job for another one, you need to, it has to be a significant jump, I think, in order to do that. Dan Lanning and Jimbo, and excuse me, uh, Mike Norvell, I think Florida State and Oregon are comparable enough that, dude, they are so secure in their jobs right now. They are not getting fired anytime soon with how good they're doing right now. You go to Texas A&M, you restart the clock, man. You know, you restart, they don't care how good you did at your last school. They, it's how good you're doing right now. So those are two names that I've seen thrown around a lot too, and I, I agree with you. Those are two I just think they wouldn't even look at it. I don't care how much money they offer them. I don't think they should even look at that job.
I have I have one that makes a lot of sense to me. So uh, I have one, I have a wild card, but I have one that makes a lot of sense to me, and I'm going to go with that one first. I, I think Mike Elko yep. makes a ton of sense, dude. That's I, it. I think he he knows the place. He was already there as a defensive coordinator. You see what he's done at Duke, and and again, I think the problem at A and M is execution. You can see right now, despite being at Duke, a decidedly basketball school, Mike Elko and that program executes at a yep. wicked high level. Yeah, even even this past week against North Carolina, they they had, with a third string quarterback, they had no business being in that game, and they took him to double overtime. They took Drake made a double overtime on the road, could have won the game. Back came back from double digit deficits twice. I, I think Mike Elko and the familiarity. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. Can I tell you? Do I know for a fact he's going to win a national title? No, but. He's a good coach. I think it, I, you need a I good think at coach. A and M. I don't. I don't understand why the expectation is. Hey, we should be winning national titles now. If they want to do that, here now I'm going to throw my wild card at you. All right, I, I, I'm. I'm going to give you one where things haven't been going great lately, but we do know there's a coach on this level. If I'm A and M and I'm a little crazy, which I am, I would. I would call. I would call about Dabo Sweeney. Ooh. I would I would go that same route again. Clearly, there's friction between Sweeney and Clemson and everything going Tyler from Spartanburg and all that, right? <laughs> clearly, clearly we've got a downslope and kind of a, you know, Cade Cade Klubnik's not really replaced Trevor Lawrence like that, and and you know their defense is still great, but they're trying to find it, and and, and he's been there for so long. Maybe it's just a thing where it's stale. I, I might think about, and I know Lanning's been talked about. I know Kalen DeBoer's been talked. I might think about if you have national title. Okay, I'm Texas A&M, and I have boatloads of I have seventy five million dollars to waste, and another to pay somebody else. Maybe it's maybe it's Dabo. Oh, I don't like that though. I I think that you're just falling into the same I, trap. I don't. I don't think they'll do it because it's the it's the ACC. It's, I don't think they probably just won't go back to the ACC for another one. Yeah, but I, I would I would make the call if my expectations are that high. Otherwise, I'm going for more of a fit and more of a guy who knows how to execute, like Mike Elko or even like Matt Campbell, something Dude, like that. I the Dabo thing though is because Jimbo in his last year at Florida State went five and six before he left. I just feel like the Dabo is like he's on a similar downswing. I just don't know if you want to. And also, like he's got the Jimbo thing where it's like he's not updating ever. He's not changing his ways. I, I just don't know if A and M should go after a coach like that, like that who's just so stuck in his so, ways that I don't. So know. I think I think with Dabo, it's been I the most of the complaining's been about the portal, right? Not yeah. using the portal. I don't know. To, I don't know the extent that A and M and Jimbo's been using it either, but. If, if you're just talking about elite recruiting, Dabo's still an elite recruiter, and he's got all these resources. And if they're just going to buy players anyway, finding Dabo, talent's Dabo's, not going to be an issue. Dabo's really against NIL, though. That's the thing. I, will he be well, willing? That might, will he be willing? That, that, that might be a rift in it. I just think in a, in a football <laughs> sense and in, like, expectation national yeah. title sense, yeah, I, yeah. I would oh, I at least it. make I that it. phone call. I get it. I, one name I want to throw out there, too, that I, I don't think I've seen a lot, actually, um, but I'm surprised he hasn't getting more traction. He considered the Auburn job last year. If he considered that job, he is taking this job, or at least very highly considering it, Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin would very much consider this job at Texas A&M. I think it's a better job than Ole Miss. Auburn was comparable. I think this is a way better job than Auburn. Uh, I think this is a job that Lane Kiffin would really listen at and look at. So um, 
I think Lane Kiffin would be a good hire for them. I think Mike Elko, again, would be a great hire uh, as well. Lance Leipold, I think, from Kansas. This might be the job to finally lure him away from Kansas. He would be fantastic. Uh, Willie Fritz from Tulane's done really well. Uh, Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. Especially Jonathan Smith, man. After this year, he's stuck. He doesn't have a, a Power 5 conference to lean on after this year. He might want to get out of there after this year at Oregon State. So, um, out of those names, who ultimately would you try to really go after and think that they really have a chance at getting, though? I, I think I – now the, the money is the X factor here. But for me, for me, the fit, I would go get Elko from Duke. Yeah, I, I think so I, I, just, I just think – I think they need to cool it on this immediate national title – expectation that I, I think they need somebody who can build a program he knows the program inside and out already you see what he's done at duke and i know they're not going to win the acc and they've had injuries and their offense is you know a bit of a struggle but they execute at such a high level and he just i think somebody with a prior understanding as opposed to just throwing money at the name at, at lanning or deboer or or whoever, whoever. I, I think Elko and the connections. I think that's. I think that would be a big deal. This is this is a team in a program that needs to execute at a higher level. So DeBoer is an interesting one too. DeBoer, I feel like the Oregon and Florida State jobs are at least comparable. The Washington job, I think, is even though they have a great year. Don't get me wrong. I still think that's a you know Texas A&M's a significantly better job. Do you think DeBoer would really consider A&M overall, or do you think he's he's kind of a guy too? He's going to the Big Ten, obviously. He's got a great you know last two years. Do you think he's one of that like Lanning and like Norvell? He's like ah, I'm just I'm kind of good where I am right now, man. I think the the one thing that would make me consider it if I'm DeBoer, other than eighty million dollars, is <laughs> I think Washington's got a lot of talent leaving. Right, they're, they've got a lot of talent leaving yeah. that program. There's, they're going to be in for a little more of a of a reset mm-hmm. than Oregon is. Um, Oregon's going to lose Knicks, obviously, but I think in that system and the way they do things, they can. Not that Knicks is like you know you're going to get the next Bo Knicks, but Oregon always at least has good quarterbacks. Yeah, Washington's got a boatload of talent leaving Penix and all the receivers. If there was a time where it like if DeBoer did go, it would make some sense to me. I I I would I would understand it. And then Washington, you might see some struggle in the in the Big Ten from there. Yeah. So that's one. Can I throw out one more name that I think is lunacy that people keep throwing out, but people keep throwing it out anyways. Do you know who I'm talking I, I about? Know, I, I know what you're gonna say. Dan Campbell. <laughs> Can you wait? What? Dan Campbell? Have you heard that or no? Oh no, not that. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Dion. Oh, dude, Dion, no, absolutely not. That would be, no. be awful. Awesome. Okay. That would be terrible. No, Dan Campbell's not going anywhere. He's trying to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's, that's he's got a, he's got a top six team. That's he's got a top what, six team in the NFL. That's what I've – dude, I've heard that. People have – so many insiders have thrown that name out because he played for Texas A&M in the past. And, yes, he would get more money at Texas A&M than he would in the NFL. But it's like, when was the last successful successful NFL coach that left for a college job? I mean, Nick Saban I don't think was successful, right, when he was at – in Miami, like he wasn't really, like, he was fine, but like when he left for Alabama, like I don't think he was that successful. Um, Jim no, Harbaugh, no, they weren't. Jim Harbaugh good. didn't he get fired by San Francisco, right? I believe. Um, when he left for Michigan, I believe. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember how that went down, but it was a downslide after a really, really darn good couple of years. Yeah, it's like, dude. Dan Campbell's seven and two right now. Like, what are we talking no, about right I, now, man? No, he's not. He's not going. Anywhere. <laughs> he's so I'm invested. Saying. It's like no, that's 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 just nonsense. I, I, I can't even. Uh, they, that would be insane. They, they they legit. They're like not that far from like they could they could go to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, yeah. You know, no. <laughs> no. 
I yeah. agree. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page with that because I've I've seen that one, and yeah, I get he played for Texas A&M and all that, but and they could probably they would offer him more money than the Lions are offering him. But at the same time, it's like, dude, the the amount of legend you would be if you won a Super Bowl with the Lions, I oh, dude, they've given the keys yeah, to the no. city. Oh my God, yeah, and he uh, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, that, that's, and Dion, the Dion one, I think. I saw Stephen A. Smith and even Dan Orlovsky on ESPN say it should be Dion. And, like, dude, I no. let's, let's wait it out. Let's see how this guy how this goes. He just lost, what, six straight or something like that? He's lost five of the last Well, I think to like me that. more so, here's another one. You want an easier path to the playoff? Go to the Big 12 Yeah. without <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma. Take Shadour right. to the Big 12. They, I, I'm, I'm still in on this. One good offseason. Get some linemen in there like he's been talking about. Obviously, get your defense a little better. They could win the Big 12 next year. They could. I think Utah is also going to be up there with Cam Rising going back, too. It's for his seventh yeah. season of college football. So, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, those are some names that we kind of want to throw out there as for our candidates for Texas A&M. We're going to talk about this job a lot more uh, in the coming weeks because we're going to do an episode, hopefully, about you know all of the Power 5 openings and talking about who should fit those. Speaking of that, though, Dalton, this is not the only Power 5 opening open right now because Mississippi State just fired Zach Arnett uh, after less than one season. He had a 5-6 and six record, obviously taking over for the legendary Mike Leach. After he passed away, he was Leach's defensive coordinator kind of fired all of Leach's staff after he took over, which was really weird and obviously didn't really work out too well. So uh, Zach Arnett fired now at Mississippi State. Obviously not as nearly as good of a job as Texas A&M, but still an SEC job that just opened up over the weekend, though. Yeah, yeah, and if it was me, I, I think I think I would be looking to reset this offense and try to, to, try to get it back to where it was, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat with Leach. I don't know. It wouldn't be a pure air raid, but – they need to start scoring points again. I, I just look at their team this year, and they they just can't they can't score. I've seen several Mississippi State games. They just look so out of sync. It's so different. Their offense is so different from what it was under Leach that you know Will Rogers has looked just wholly uncomfortable um, defensively. They still play physical football with decent run, but this passing game has got to come back. Look, especially at a school like this, you've got to be you've got to be prime time in the passing game. You yeah. really do. You see it at Missouri right now, and that, and that's actually maybe the first name I would look at. And we've talked about him a lot this year. Mm-hmm. I, I I would call Kirby Moore and yep. go, "What is what is it going to take, man? I know he's young, and I know yep. he's only been at Missouri out of Fresno for one year, but he did great work at Fresno State. He's done unreal. I, I would you know you and me both, we would pick him for probably the Broyles Award this year. Yeah, considering the improvement, they're a top ten team. That's legit. I would call Kirby Moore or I would call Rhett Lashley from SMU and, and re just re just catalyze this offense. They have to find something offensively. Absolutely. Another guy I want to throw out there, Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator for Washington. He is a guy that Alabama tried to poach this offseason. He decided to stay with Kalen DeBoer. He might, you know, this might be a job for him for him to take over. Uh, I know Will Stein, he's only been one year at or- as Oregon's offensive coordinator, but what he's done there is, is incredible. Um, Dan Mullen, man. Dan Mullen was there for about eight or nine years at Mississippi State before getting the Florida job, and then obviously after Florida, he's, he's been uh, in studio now. But Dan Mullen's an interesting name. He was he did he did a good job at Florida. I would throw out there he did a good job at Florida. I would not hate going for the Dan Mullen they, experience again. They canned they canned him on one bad year at Florida. I don't I don't know how really fair that was, and he did no. a terrific job at Mississippi. And, and look State. what Napier's doing. Look, Napier's struggling in, in his replacement man. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's that's rough over there right now. That might be another one we're talking about soon. But but the only thing with Mullen is he doesn't he look so like satisfied? Doesn't he look so happy on TV <laughs> he now? Like he just looks so much less stressed out. Like he doesn't like it, it, he almost looks now I could be wrong, he but he almost looks like he has no inclination to come back and yeah. do that. Now 
you know, again, well, you wouldn't get $80 million out of Mississippi State, but you'd get some chunk, you know. I, I Any of those options, any of them. They all are. They're all the same to me. Where it's about it's about rejump starting this offense. Yep. It's a, any of those options makes sense to me. I, I I just think there's that's the overarching theme. They need to start scoring points again defensively. Look, they're getting guys in the NFL. They've they've got they've got good defensive players, good defensive talent, and that's a credit to our net. But when you can't score, it really doesn't matter. No. And one other name I want to throw out there, Willie Fritz, the Tulane head coach. I feel like he, yes. he's going to get a lot of offers. I think this might be a job. I don't know if A&M – he's like one of the last guys I would look at for A&M if you really strike out on everyone else. But Mississippi State, this is probably one of the top guys I'd look at in terms of getting him to run this program. Uh, I wanted Before we move on to some of the other head coach openings, I wanted to really quickly mention this guy and see your thoughts on him. I've seen a lot of Urban Meyer talk for Texas A&M. What are your, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I don't. I agree. I would not. That's, I would that's, not. A, that's another guy who looks a lot less stressed out on. <laughs> and we know every single yeah, time no. he's been a coach, it hasn't really worked out well in the end. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, Zach Arnett, though, maybe uh, USC defensive coordinator could be a potential that's candidate. That's not a bad call. That's yeah. not a bad call right so, there. So we'll yeah. see. That could be that uh, some sense. I, that would make a lot of sense. So Zach Arnett, really less than one year, unfortunate for him. But it just it never seemed like they were very committed to him. It just seemed like you know, obviously after Leach's unfortunate passing, they kind of just promoted him and then you know it just didn't really work out too well and it never seemed like they were very committed they always kind of it felt like they had their eye on someone else this whole time so we'll see what they do uh, a couple more really quickly we can go over i mean boise state fired their coach andy avalos and then also brady hoke san diego state's head coach announced that he's retiring after this season so here are the current head coach openings we'll talk about texas a&m michigan state obviously after firing mel tucker mississippi state who we just talked about after firing zach arnett uh northwestern after they fired pat fitzgerald for the whole scandal there uh boise state just fired andy avalos like i mentioned and then san diego state brady hoke is retiring after this year so do you have any thoughts on the uh the boise state and san diego state openings that just uh, happened over the weekend too um yeah San Diego State, I, I think, I think they're going to stay on the West Coast with that one, and they're they've got a very big like defensive tradition. I've heard DeAnton Lynn Ooh. is one for from UCLA's I would love UCLA's that. defensive coordinator. It's just a good fit. San Diego's kind of created this reputation as like the defensive monster of of the Mountain West. They just this year the offense bottom bottomed out. You know, last year, last couple of years they had a, a lot of success defense and punting the ball and winning games 13 to 10. I, I have I have a fun one with Boise State though and it's going to make sense once I say it. I, I, the last couple of years I've watched Boise State, they still got hogs up front. They mm-hmm. play great defense. They're wicked physical and going to Boise is still not fun. Now it's it's they don't score like they used to, right? With Chris Peterson and all that. And, and I was thinking first about names like Kirby Moore, like first time guys. Kirby Moore, Ben Arbuckle, Jason Candle from Toledo is another one I thought about. And then I went, and then something like a light bulb clicked, and I went, oh no, it's obvious. Especially since there's a decent chance this guy could be free. After. Go get Kellen Moore. Mm. Go go get Kellen Moore because I don't. We don't know necessarily what's happening with that Chargers situation. But oh it's, God, the way it's that. trending is not great. And I know more. He's in his first year, and it could be his first and last year with the Chargers just because of the situation. I, I would I would go get old glory. I would go get Kellen Moore and make him the head coach. I need a jump Hell start yeah. on offense, and it's something really familiar. I, I would even – you know what? 
even if Brandon Staley and all that, if everything, if they stay for another year with the chart, I would still make the call. I would see if Kellen Moore wants to be the head coach of this team. Dude, that is that is fantastic. That's a fantastic call. That would be awesome to see Kellen Moore, one of the most legendary, I think he's second all-time, or maybe even leading all-time in wins in, in, at Boise 50, State. 50 or 52 wins, it's something him and like Colt, that. Colt McCoy, I know, is right there, too. Um, so, yeah, he is... Dude, that would be incredible if they get Kellen Warren. I'm, I'm sure every Boise State fan would sign up for that as well. I mean, he'd be a hero. I mean, how cool would that be to see Kellen Moore be the head coach there? So, uh, yeah, those are some uh, interesting jobs. Also, Boise State and San Diego State, both in the Mountain West, both might be the new kind of Pac-12 conference, too. We'll see what happens to Oregon State and Washington State, obviously, uh, in the coming months. But uh, another real quick firing that we have to get to because it's my team and also is a pretty big coordinator going down, uh, Mike Yersich finally getting the, uh, the boot from Penn State after a again anemic offensive performance against uh, Michigan this past Saturday. What were your thoughts, Dalton, on Penn State's offensive performance, not only in the Michigan game but the Ohio State game? Because I think it's the same issue both times, honestly. Uh, and then ultimately, what do you think about this uh, this move for Penn State? Um, this isn't surprising. Uh, you just we we mentioned it, and it's weird because you look at the just the raw stats, and they're scoring close to forty a game, and 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 it's just not. You can tell there's just no identity. Right, it's like, are we a running team? Are we a Drew Aller team? We're kind of short on receivers, but we need Aller to succeed. It it looks like same old Penn State. Uh, well, you know better than anybody. I I think they need someone who's going to to make this a Drew Aller. They need this to be quarterback driven. They have to get out of Drew Aller is. He's not Trace McSorley. He's not Sean Clifford. And and I would, if they don't make the right hire here, I would be very afraid of Drew Aller leaving. Yep. I think there are. I think there are schools. Yep. Like, Oregon. especially even with their quarterbacks leaving, like Washington, mm-hmm. like Oregon, mm-hmm. like Florida, uh, like um, there there are plenty of schools who would gladly take Drew Aller as their quarterback. No yep. question. Like Florida State, if Jordan Travis leaves, I, 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 I'm He's telling just, you, yeah, they need year. to get this. They need to get this right and center this offense around Aller because if they if they don't, it's going to be more of same old Penn State, and he's he's too good for that. He's too. I'm good. sorry. the The last couple weeks before this game, they unleashed him, and that's when he looked his best. They they need they need to develop him into their best player, and it's got to be a coach who who is, is going to run like a quarterback-centric offense as to po- as they just don't have an identity right now offensively. No, they don't. And, yeah, I, I think that's a great point because uh, another point that I want to make is that Drew Aller, one of the biggest reasons why he committed to Penn State in the first place was Mike Yersich. So now you fire the guy who he loved and obviously didn't work out. And I think it was the right move for Penn State. Don't get me wrong. But, this, yeah, I think it could be a little rocky. Especially Drew Aller, I mean, with all the quarterbacks leaving, even though he's been disappointing for some people, I would still say Drew Aller is a top three to five quarterback in the country heading into next season probably. Um, so if you add him in the transfer portal for anyone else, if he does enter the transfer portal, which I don't I don't think he will, but man, that's a huge, huge addition. If if he does enter the transport, I think he'll be. If he does enter, he'd be the best quarterback in the portal, definitely, in my opinion. I mean, he could still be a first round pick when it's all said and done in next year's draft. Um, I think so many people who blamed Drew Aller for that game against Michigan, blamed him for the game against Ohio State, just don't know what they're talking about, man. I mean, this is the receivers for Penn State. First of all, this is the worst group of receivers I can remember at Penn State. Second of all, the play calling was atrocious, which is why Yurcich is finally getting the the boot. But Aller right now has a 7.7 yard average at the target. That is 132nd 
among FBS quarterbacks. This guy is one of the biggest arms in the country, and you're not using it. It, it feels like the Hackenberg days, and I think he's better than Hackenberg, but Hackenberg it was not a, you know, trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole. And it feels like that, too. And it feels like the Justin Herbert at Oregon, where it's like Herbert was so much better than what Oregon allowed him to be. And, of course, now you see what he's doing now in the NFL. It feels like that for Drew Aller right now. So I agree with you. They have to fi- find a coordinator. And not only that, Franklin needs to find a coordinator and then stay out of the offense. Because every time he hires a new coordinator, it's the same issues on offense. And I feel like he has his hands too much in the offense right now. I think he's just got to hire someone and just be like, listen, I'll be the CEO. You handle the offense. I'll get the players in and all that. And I'll, I'll handle the game management, which he's not good at either. But I, I think that he needs to hire someone. So we mentioned this guy before. I don't know if he would take this job. But uh, because he might get some head coach offers, Kirby Moore, I would love to see at Penn State. Um, Sean Lewis from Colorado, that's kind of going south in Colorado, but I think he'd be a terrific hire for Penn State as their office coordinator. He kind of let Shador do his thing at Colorado. Hopefully he could do the same thing for Drew Aller. So those are a couple of names I like. But, yeah, man, I feel like this is a move that needed to happen. But now this is maybe a job-defining hire for James Franklin now because a lot of Penn State fans are getting very restless. I'm not in the boat yet where I want to fire him because I don't think he deserves to be fired just by losing to two top five teams in the country every year. But if he needs to make a splash hire, man, and a really good one in order to uh, keep his job for the foreseeable future, though. I think Kirby Moore makes some sense. I think the big thing with Aller is he's not a West Coast passer. He's a vertical passer. And I see everything. It feels like every pass he throws a five-yard out. And and that's just not – it's not taking advantage. His arm talent's as good as anybody in the country, right? But – I think, and actually, you mentioned Sean Lewis. I think if if they don't go with Kellen Moore, I, th- I actually think Sean Lewis would be a good name for the Boise State job too. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you wonder, you know, you mentioned maybe he needs somebody he trusts. Maybe it's Joe Moorhead. Maybe it's going yep. back to Joe Moorhead before he left for Mississippi State. They had it kind of rolling for a bit. He clearly trusts him. He's a head coach at Akron right now, so I'm sure he would take the Penn State OC job over yeah. where he's at. They're just that's just a difficult, difficult place to be. You know, another name I saw getting thrown out there if we're going out of the college ranks, maybe maybe Joe Brady, Bill's quarterback coach, Joe Brady, who had Burrow at LSU. Yep. You know, if you ever want to develop a guy in Brady, you know, he was the passing game coordinator for that LSU team, and he's with the Bills right now. He has a Penn State tie, though. Hold on. He has, I know he has a Penn State tie as well. He, um, he was a grad assistant at Penn State. He also went to Penn State as well. So, there's some ties Joe, there. Uh, maybe maybe that's what it was. Why it was so high on the list is, is Joe Brady. Look clearly, he kn- he knows quarterbacks. He knows quarterbacks. He was with Drew Brees in the Saints. Mm-hmm. He was with Joe Burrow at LSU. He's with Josh Allen now. This is it's the it's the type of thing you need somebody who will run a quarterback centric offense that's going to develop Aller into the superstar that his talent says he should be. I think any of those names, Kirby Moore included, I think that makes a lot of sense. They need to get vertical. They need to convince kids, you know, these recruits that they're going to get vertical because throw, throwing five-yard outs all day will not get you any receivers on the trail. Absolutely no. not. So one of these guys that can just – that to me as I go, I look at Drew – because if you don't make the Drew Aller the centerpiece next year, he will leave. This is how it works now. He will go. and He will go somewhere. If Drew Aller left right now, I guarantee you Washington would be – kicking down his door to get him to yep. replace Penix. Guarantee it. Anyone will. I think anyone who's losing a quarterback this year probably would kick down his door and try to get him as well. So, I mean, dude, USC. I mean, USC might do it. USC might be like Mich- Riley. Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I, I, yeah, that would be cr- – 
that would suck if he goes from Penn State to Michigan. But, yeah, I think Lincoln Riley, too, would be like, dude, I would take you in here. Now I know they have a five-star backup right now, and Malachi Nelson's a true freshman. But at the same time, it's like, dude, Jarrell, like I said, I think Jarrell is a top-five quarterback in the country heading into next season well, with everyone leaving right now. So, yeah, I, I think anyone would be loving to get Drew Aller on their team. Uh, last bit of news is kind of a sad one that we're talking about now. Like, losing job is, is not sad. It definitely is. And I, I do feel for these coaches because, you know, you look at these coaches and you say, oh, you know, they deserve to be fired and all that. They're also uprooting their lives, man. They're moving their families out of places. Like, that sucks. That really does suck. So, Definitely feel for these coaches, and also definitely feel for Jonathan Brooks, who tore his ACL uh, in the game against TCU this past weekend, the star running back for for Texas. Um, just a brutal, brutal blow, not only to Jonathan Brooks, brutal blow to Texas, and then brutal blow to uh, Jonathan Brooks's NFL draft uh, status because he was the number one running back on our big board before this injury. We'll see what happens now. He won't be able to participate in the combine if he does enter the draft. But, uh, yeah, it's all around, man. It's a, it's a really massive blow to the Longhorns. Yeah, it's terrible. He's he's their best player, um, but at least offensively. I know I know they have the receivers. They've, they've got a good group of receivers, but – um, this guy's the engine, and he's. If you actually wanted for me, and I know their defense has played really well, and and you know Ewers has been hot and cold. This guy's the number one reason Texas is where they are. Yeah. Um. There, there have been especially in in the games with Murphy playing quarterback. Um. Brooks is the reason. He's he's still the reason they finish games. I know he had the fumble against Kansas State, but he's he's just spectacular. Uh, he was he was probably if not probably he was on the inside track to a Doak Walker. Um, he's he's the engine to this offense, and this is this is more devastating than than Ewers getting hurt. To be honest with you, this is the Texas. At the end of the day, you look back at this season and you go, the reasons Texas is really good is because they run and they stop the run. It's kind of classic, right? Passing game flashes. Obviously, it was great against Bama. The secondary comes and goes, but they run and they stop the run. Jonathan Brooks, Tavondre Sweat. That's Those two guys are the heart and soul of this team, and you just lost the offensive half of that. Yeah. I, I I would be, and I, I believe we're going to preview it on Wednesday, I I, I – would be a little worried about what this offense looks like now. CJ Baxter has been great. Yeah, that's that's the that's the good news is you do have a very viable replacement. But I think part of the appeal to this running game too was that you had both of them, and somebody was always fresh, and they got a bunch of carries. I I don't I don't I don't doubt Baxter's ability to do so, but we haven't seen him be the lead dog like that without Brooks. Yeah, and and you and you wonder if that's going to happen because this is the centerpiece of their offense. This is, I mean, he had he had the go ahead touchdown against Oklahoma. Not Ewers in the passing game. It's this guy. So this is this is a this is a hard one. This yeah. is a really really hard one, and they they have to find. They're lucky Ewers is back now because had they both been out, oh, I'm not sure imagine. how they would have scored points. No, exactly. Oh my god, that would be, that would be disastrous if they both were out, but. Yeah, it's uh, you know they, they get their starting quarterback back, but like I said, they lose their top offensive player in Jonathan Brooks, who was having, like I said, one of the best seasons by any running back in the country this year. Uh, just even more impressive that this guy was number three on the depth chart last year behind B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. You think, okay, they lose those two guys, both of them doing well in their rookie years in the NFL uh, when they're allowed to touch the ball. You know, shout out Arthur Smith for that. But uh, but Jonathan Brooks, man, you're like, okay, you know, they're gonna take a step back now after those two running backs leave. He's been fantastic and. We'll see with C.J. Baxter, who is now the new running back one for them. He also was the number one running back recruit coming out of high school. And he was a, he was a 
true freshman this year, so we'll see what the kids got. Uh, but it is a brutal, brutal blow for the Longhorns. Now it's just more pressure on Quinn Ewers, man, who didn't look great against TCU, and obviously that game went down on the wire. Uh, a lot more pressure on Quinn Ewers, and you know they're kind of fighting for their playoff lives right now. They need to be kind of making statements to the committee with like blowout victories, just squeaking by TCU and squeaking by Iowa State maybe this weekend. Man, I don't know. I, I feel like Texas, at, at the end of the day, if Alabama beats Georgia and, and Oregon beats Washington or whatever, uh, I think Texas might be the odd man out in the college football playoff if you know we have an undefeated Big Ten and and uh, and Florida State. I, I think Texas is kind of the odd man out right now. So massive massive blow to the Longhorns but uh, the next thing we're talking about is you know speaking of Heisman chances Jaden Daniels man what he did against Florida was one of the greatest things I've ever seen a quarterback do man he had over 600 yards of total offense in that game so I know Dalton we talked about it before and I, we made this take before and we and I look stupid now because we both said uh, I think the the winner of the Pac-12 championship game will ultimately win the Heisman trophy the winning quarterback I'm at the point where I think Jaden Daniels is your Heisman is your Heisman Trophy winner. I'm at that point now. I don't care how many losses he has. I'm at that point. What do you what do you think about that? Oh, he's making it awfully hard, isn't he? Isn't he <laughs> on the narrative? Awfully hard when you have 600 total yards and 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 a, a I found his 96.1 grade for the game is the second best by any quarterback this year. And the one that was better was Tyler Van Dyke against Bethune Cookman. So I'm not even really going to count it. That that was that was as good a game as I've seen in a while of both ways. Uh, you know, earlier in the year I, I, I compared him to Jalen Hurts a bit. And I think I think there's something there. I think there's another jump that's just been made from that. You mm-hmm. know, because obviously the Hurts comparison was dual threat, didn't turn the ball over, and like just is really darn hard to beat. Um, I, I, he went from Jalen Hurts say it. to to Lamar Jackson. Oh, I knew you were gonna in, say in it. I knew you were gonna say he it. He did. Uh, there, I, I came out. Look, it, first of all, the Heisman thing. Okay, first in overall grade, first in passing grade, third in passing yards behind Penix and mm-hmm. Caleb Williams, first in rushing grade. First in rush yards by a quarterback. By far, he's got. If you take the sacks out of it and the way the NCAA keeps track of all that nonsense, he's got a thousand and twenty-eight yards on ninety-seven carries. Okay, and I'm I'm just going to throw this in there next to Penix and Bo Nix. Bo Nix, by that same token, has one hundred thirty-nine rushing yards, and Michael Penix has seventeen. Jaden Daniels, by the numbers, honestly, is the best offensive player in the country. Not even close. That's not. It's it's not it's actually not even close, and, yeah. and I'm going to be honest with you. I more than before I looked at these numbers for this. Show, look, he's got th- throw one more in there too. 32 explosive runs, 10 yards or more. There's only seven running backs in the country <laughs> with more than that, and he's he's got he's he's good for a 10 yard run a third of the time. That that's that's nuts. Uh, so no, I, I came out of this Florida game, and and I had a bad feeling for Florida that this is the way it was going to go with the way their their defense. Jaden Daniels has to be a first-round pick. There's not a question. Mm. This is not a question. J- Jalen Hurts back in the day was a debate. Where does this guy go? The throwing motion, the Oklahoma and, offense. Know, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. No, this is this is not an argument to me. I think you could argue him. I think you could argue. Uh, lately, I think we've both been in the boat where Penix is probably the third quarterback in this draft, right? Probably. You know, Williams and May. Drake May is still leading the country in big time throws. He's still way up. Yeah, those there. those are one and two. Too. I don't think anyone's ever going to touch those two. Yeah. No, but no, Jaden Daniels, I'm going to be honest with you. If 
if this guy goes to one of these teams in the late teens or a playoff team, let me let me throw let me throw a scenario out there for you. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in this range. Could you imagine Jaden Daniels on the Minnesota Vikings? That would be hot. That would be hot. Jaden Daniels, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson. Have fun. And those and then Brian O'Neill and Christian Darius are protecting him as well. And 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 really really good pass protection and a and a Brian Flores defense that's gotten a lot better overnight. Dude, I, I'm you you think you think Kirk Cousins and Josh Dobbs are fun? Let's, I'm telling you, if they're pick, let's just say they're they're hovering around that right now. They're they're in that wild card race, obviously. Let's just say they're hovering around pick number twenty, and they're looking for a quarterback. And and you know, Trevor Sikkim has got Bo Nix, what like number six on his board now, way up there too, something like that. Yeah. If I'm if if I'm a team, if I'm like Minnesota, and Jaden Daniels is sitting there at number twenty, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I'm not kidding. That, if he goes to the right team, with especially in a dome on turf. Oh, dude! I, 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 I'm gonna be honest with you. I knew he was. I knew he was fast. We all knew he was fast. He's right in shape. That 85 yarder. Yeah, I did. I didn't know he was that fast, dude. That's that's Max. That's not football speed. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned this once with Zachariah Branch earlier in the year. No, that's track speed. Mm-hmm. That's that's not funny. That makes me think he's going to go to the combine and run a four three. Dude, he might. Can you that's imagine? that's that's Florida. Florida's no, no. It's Florida. They got all the athletes. They have all the speed. Ran. I, I, I don't know if Lamar Jackson ever had an 85 yarder. I don't remember. Yeah, you have to look back, and those are ACC defenses he's going against too. At the same time, so this, it's like yeah, like no, they no. Jaden Daniels is a freak, man. He's he has to be a first round. If he ever went to the Minnesota Vikings, I, Kevin O'Connell. We didn't mention Kevin. O, I love Kevin O'Connell, dude. I think that'd be oh. oh. I love him. Oh, his play call. His play calling is is actually. I know everyone's on Dobbs. No, the play calling is the reason they could make. Yeah, he's one of the best play callers. Oh man, dude! If if you had that, or I think about what's what's another team, man. Uh, I mean, let me look at Tankathon right now. Um, I'm just trying to think like teams that'll be in that 15 to 20 range. The Raiders are 16 right now. That's a good one. That's a good one. I even think about like if you're if you're Pittsburgh. Yeah. And you feel like Kenny Pickett's the weakness? Would you think about? I'll give you a fun one. What about, what about San Francisco? Were you gonna say that? I was gonna. No, I was gonna say Miami. Wow! Wow! What if? What? What if you want? What if you want a fun jolt and you want that speed element at quarterback along can with you, all those other guys? Can you freaking imagine if they had the read option with Raheem Mostert at A chain? The, 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 the odds Daniels. are they won't do it. But if they feel like. The quarterback, <laughs> I mean, the along fa- with not good pass protection, is the reason they don't make a Super Bowl. The fastest team and ever. Jayden, and J- and Jaden Daniels is in it. <laughs> He's going to be really, really hard for some teams to pass out. Dude, pass up. I'm tell. I'm telling you. Yeah. He's this. He is. He is a freak, a, an absolute freak. Like what everyone wants Anthony Richardson to be. That's Jaden Daniels. Den- look, Denver, the Broncos. You don't think Sean Payton would kill to have this guy? Yeah. I mean, no, I'm, I'm t- or you know what? Here's another one because it's a short contract. That, put him in Seattle. That's I don't hate that one. either. Definitely don't give, hate that. Even, either. even if, if you either give him a year behind Geno mm-hmm. or just go, you know what? This guy's a freak. They were thinking about Richardson last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, there are some teams. Atlanta, look, the Falcons. I, I, I would kill to see Jaden and Bijan in the same backfield. Yeah. Oh my god, uh, there, there are some fits here, and you have an athlete this good. 
I, I'm he he went from Jalen Hurts to Lamar Jackson for he <laughs> Jaden Daniels. I'm going to scream this for the next five months. He has to be a first round pick. Yeah. If this guy drops to round two and some team gets him in the second round, I, I'm I'm going to throw something, dude. Honestly, I, if I was even even if I was I don't know a team like the Jets or somebody, if he ever fell to round two, well, they don't have a second round pick. At, uh, yeah. Let me have this guy. Mm-hmm. That's that eighty-five. He does things you don't teach, and you have to look at those guys. So, would you say he is your Heisman front runner right now? I think he is. It's hard not to. This is so many. Every honestly, every number says he's the best player in the country. Yeah, except the for the dual, wins and losses. The, it's, it's the dual. It's the dual threat thing for me. It's the, it, he has a thousand rushing yards. Yeah, the only thing that doesn't I is mean, wins. If he didn't have the wins and losses, it's the only thing. But and that's it's on that's and, it's, on and that's not on him I'm exactly. Like, it's like it's on his. It, you're you're you know faulting him for having a bad defense. It's like that's not his fault, you know. So I yeah. I agree with you. Also keep in mind, Lamar Jackson when he won it, they went nine and three that year. Robert Griffin the third when he won it, they went nine and three that year. LSU goes nine and three. I I just think listen, Penix has been amazing. Bo Nix has been amazing. But man, what Jaden Daniels is doing this year is freaking stupid, dude. It's stupid. By the way, we interviewed uh, Jaden Daniels. We want to check it out too. He was an awesome, awesome kid. And I talked about him about the Heisman, and he said how it's always been a dream of his to, to win the Heisman Trophy. Man, that dream is about to become a reality, Jaden. That dream is about to become a reality because what you're doing this year is it's not on Burrow level. Don't get me wrong. Burrow as a passer that year was unbelievable, but just I, overall, I think his his best chance, his best chance, I think is going to be Washington beating Oregon again, right? Because I think Knicks and Oregon have a lot of the narrative. Th- those two guys, now Penix is leading Knicks, the country in passing yards. Knicks is leading the country. Knicks is the betting favorite right now. I don't know if you saw that. With Penix second and Daniels third. If Washington beats Oregon again, they're not going to give it to Knicks. No. They're not going to do it. They probably. I think both of, those, both of those guys, well, maybe. Because Penix lately has been more solid than spectacular. Yeah. Uh, if and if he goes into this week more solid, they got a rough game and a rough matchup this week. Obviously, yeah, we're getting into that too. Washington, he's gonna he may have to be great this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll win this week with solid on the road against that run game and all that. We're we're gonna get into that, but I if it's the running. It's the equalizer, man. And honestly, it's not even just a look. He's third in passing yards behind yep. Penix and Caleb Williams. Yep. He could very well finish in the lead for passing yards. He he is uh, third in passing yards. He has the most passing touchdowns. He is first in passer rating, first in yards per attempt, first in big time throw rate, and then oh yeah, by the way, he has 160 more rushing yards than the next closest quarterback in the country. And, and I think you know the case for me. If they were nine and one. Just happenstance instead of seven and three. If they had beaten Ole Miss, yep. there was some play calling at the end there that just didn't serve him right. And he scored fifty points. Ole, yeah. If they had beaten Ole Miss, and week one, you know, it's like that's this is the thing. These losses, like the week one loss, is so long ago. That wasn't even the same guy. Yeah. I I I don't. Also, the Alabama game, dude. Before he got hurt, he was carving up Alabama. That's Alabama yeah, just, we're talking about. They, they, yeah, they. When you and me are both in the boat, they're the best secondary in the country, right? And they didn't have an answer. No, yeah. they, there is no. This is a national championship level offense. Yep. Because of this guy, to start with, 
Um, no, if they even had an average defense, they would probably be nine and one right now. Mm-hmm. If not ten and zero, oh, that's that's not on Daniels. He's yeah. doing everything. He's doing everything possible. The numbers, honestly, the numbers tell you it should be him. It's not. And I, that's, I the best it's... Way, that's the best way I can put that. And I, I just think you know, again, it's this thing. Wins are not fully a quarterback, a quarterback stat. stat. Like, exactly. It, it's just. It's. I would love to see the numbers he puts up the next two weeks just to try to. Oh, dude, they're gonna. They're, Brian Kelly's gonna go all out with. I can't wait for it. He's gonna put up stupid, stupid numbers. But you listen, man. The Heisman Trophy is by definition given to the most outstanding player in college football. This has been, in my opinion, by far the most outstanding player in college football. I can't believe what this guy is doing right now. I don't give a damn. How many games? They can go 7-5. and five. If, he, if he keeps putting numbers up like this, man, I don't care how many losses they have. He is the best player in college football right now. He's, so. he's, he's Lamar Jackson, and he's a better passer than Lamar was. Yeah, and again, dude, it's like Lamar 9-3, RG3 9-3, Jane Daniels 9-3. Like there's precedent before. It's not just a playoff team. It, there's precedent before for this happening. I think it, it should happen this year again. So it, it sounds weird when we were saying how it's between Penix and Knicks. Um, and it, honestly, it still might be. I don't know if the voters will actually give it to Jaden Daniels, even though he deserves it. Uh, but I think we need to be at the forefront, man, of starting that narrative of, listen, this is the best player in college football. This is your Heisman Trophy winner right now. So Jaden Daniels, Heisman, love it. Uh, all right, now we got to get to our New Year's Six projections. We did a lot of uh, reaction to what's been an insane weekend of college football. Not even talk about the games, just a lot of stories that came out of it. But now, based off a lot of the games that we saw, we're going to get into our New Year's Six Bowl projections, which are obviously the biggest bowl game. Two of the New Year's Six Bowl games are college football playoff semifinals. So we'll get into who we think will be in them. Not right now. Who we think ultimately at the end of the season will be in them. So I'll start with you, Dawn. What is you want to go through your uh, your six New Year's New Year's Six Bowls? Yeah, I sure can. Um, you've got uh, for me. I mean, the two shakeups at the top for me that uh, you, I've I've got Ohio State beating Michigan. I, wow. I, I, I can't say I know yet exactly why or how it's going to happen, but I just there's a hunch Ryan Day. you see Ryan Day right there mm. and it feels like the Ryan Day just revenge tour ever since something about ever since that speech after the Notre Dame game I'm like you know what man maybe they're just gonna grind their way in a different way than they usually do all the way all the way with this thing I, I so I'm, I'm gonna go with that mostly on gut feeling and until Oregon gets over the mental hurdle of beating Washington I'm, I'm gonna leave them I'm gonna leave them in this in the final four I, I'm gonna leave Washington in the final four until until I see it I, I just I think Oregon, I know what they've done is impressive. They beat USC by the same margin Washington did. The only difference between them is Washington beat Oregon, and Oregon, you know, they beat up Utah, whereas Washington played a tight first half with them. I mean, but if we're going on who beat Utah, but well, Washington still beat Oregon head-to-head. Until I see Oregon beat Washington, I'm going to leave Washington in there, right? Then I've got Texas, and I've got Michigan. Michigan, the best team that would miss. Texas in the Cotton Bowl makes a ton of sense. I believe. Um, I think you have Texas and Ohio State here the other way around. But right, yeah. It, it, it just, yeah, Texas in the Cotton Bowl, and, and I wonder what they'll have left without Brooks um, when you get there. Peach Bowl, you've got our, our favorite team of the year, Missouri, against Penn State, who yep. is still going to end up ranked ninth or 10th in the country with the two big losses and beating everybody else. Louisville has the leftover in the ACC with the Orange Bowl after Florida State presumably beats them, although I don't think it'll be as easy as people think against Alabama. And then Oregon losing to Washington, ending up in the Fiesta Bowl. And and an interesting one I'm taking, just maybe to get the narrative out there, I don't know if they'd actually do it with two losses, but SMU 
Ooh. as the group of five team for me. They've been absolutely dominant in the American in six games in conference. They're outscoring their opponents 270 to 88. What? Okay, They are blasting everyone on the way. And their two losses are at Oklahoma by 17 and at TCU by 17. I'm not going to take anything from them for the Oklahoma loss. The TCU loss is the argument because TCU is not a great football team, but it's at TCU Early in the year, I'd have to look into the, circ- the circumstances of that. But in American play, they have just blasted everybody. Now, there's a projection thing here, right? Because yeah. they're playing at Memphis this week. Huge, big game. big Probably the lowest, the lowest key big game of mm-hmm. this week. You've got SMU at Memphis. If they go into Memphis, who is a very good team, and they beat them the same way they've been beating everybody else, I think they need to get ranked, even with two losses. I really do. And... Then they have, I believe, Navy next week. Probably beat them. And then you presumably, you're well, really what you're going to get is either Tulane and UTSA play next week and the winner will also make yeah. the um, American title game. If they beat Memphis like they've been beating everybody else and then they get, let's just say they get to play Tulane. And Tulane right now is number 23, maybe move up a couple spots before then. And Tulane has their one loss to Ole Miss with a backup quarterback. And SMU beats Tulane to win the conference because Tulane's been playing tight lately. They've been playing some tight games. It's not been dominant like that. They just beat East Carolina 13-10. to 10. That's rough. I think SMU could run this thing. I, this week's big. If they can make this big statement against Memphis, I really think they have a shot. And, and I, think, I think they have a very good shot to beat Tulane, win the American, get themselves into the top 25, and then I know the argument will be what you have coming next along with another one with some NCAA rules. But I, I think SMU, I, I think it needs to be taken notice how dominant they've been in that conference. Dude, uh, we talked about it uh, over text, but that first half against Tulsa was maybe the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, man. 52-3 to was the score at halftime of that game. Tulsa, by the way, was 3-5. and five. It's not like they were like 0-8. Going into that, they were three and five. They were fine, you know, below average. You were losing by 49 at halftime. That is insane. So, yeah, SMU, I love that call out. I do think um, they're a sleeper right now that not a lot of people are talking about. So, I do love that call out. My New Year's Six Bowls. So, the Sugar Bowl, which is the college football playoff semifinal, I got Georgia against Oregon. So, I actually have Oregon, you know, beating Washington in the rematch in the Pac 12 championship game, which will ultimately, I think, be a playoff game, basically. Uh, Rose Bowl. I have Michigan against Florida State. So I have Michigan beating Ohio State, unlike you. Uh, and I have Florida State in that one as well. Also, to uh, for people wondering why the Sugar Bowl and Rose Bowl are those, uh, the, the number one team in the country, who I think we're both going to say is Georgia uh, at the end of it all, they get to pick which bowl game they play in. And obviously, if you have uh, Georgia against Oregon or Georgia against Washington, Washington and Oregon would obviously very much like to play in the Rose Bowl with how close they are to it. Georgia and the Sugar Bowl, they'd much rather play there, man. It's much closer to home. So they would pick that as their game that they want to play in. So that's why we have it there. Cotton Bowl, I have Texas against Ohio State. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Texas playing in the Cotton Bowl, probably against the loser of Ohio State, Michigan. Peach Bowl, I have the same exact thing as you. Missouri against Penn State. I think Ole Miss could really make a push for that. It'll be interesting to see between the two. But I think Missouri, man, they lost by nine to uh, Georgia. And Georgia just absolutely destroyed 
Ole Miss this past Saturday. So I think that might be the difference for a lot of voters, but that'll be a really interesting matchup between Missouri and Ole Miss as to who gets that final New Year's Six spot uh, out of the SEC. Orange Bowl, I got Louisville against Alabama, which I believe was the same as you uh, for that. So I I think that'll be – that's one – you know, Orange Bowl always has an ACC team. That'll probably be Louisville this year unless they lose to Miami, which we'll preview on Wednesday. Then maybe North Carolina has a chance at making that Orange Bowl. But right now I think it's going to be Louisville against Alabama. And then finally, Fiesta Bowl, Washington, I think against Liberty. I think – Liberty, right now they're ten and zero. I understand they're playing in a, in a much weaker conference than um, than the American Athletic Conference, but I think if you have a twelve and zero, thirteen and zero, ultimately Liberty, and you have a two loss American champion, I have trouble. I understand that maybe the strength of schedule is better, but I'd have trouble put you know leaving out a thirteen and zero group of five champion uh, when all you have left is a two-loss group of five champion. The other one I want to shout out, I mean, it's BS. They're not even allowed to, but we mentioned this before. James Madison should be the clear favorite for this right now. What they've done in the Sun Belt, they've beaten some good teams, and they're destroying some good teams as well. Troy is really good. James Madison right now ineligible to participate in the postseason, meaning they can't even play in the Sun Belt championship game, let alone a bowl game. Hopefully they got to change. Maybe they get a waiver in the next couple weeks, but it doesn't look likely right now. But uh, I think both you and I would would agree that James Madison would be our team uh, for the group of five, at least to, to make the New Year's Six Bowl. But yeah, that's what I have. Yeah, I, I agree with James Madison. And I, I, the only loophole I know there is right now, I believe they're allowed to play in a bowl game if there are not enough teams that are right. six and six to make it, which then they'll just go and uh, they'll just demolish somebody probably. But no, I think Liberty, the strength of schedule, I'd have to look at like the power rankings and stuff of who they've played. His Conference USA with all those teams leaving this year is rough. Actually, probably the Sun Belt right now is probably better than, well, it definitely is with James Madison and Troy and some of those good teams. Sun Belt's better than Conference USA right now. Conference USA is a little rough. But, um, yeah, the strength of schedule thing bothers me. And, look, Jamie Chadwell's doing a great job up there, no question. Um, you know, they're, they're the best team in that conference easily. But I, I could argue that. I could argue that as the softest conference in the country. And, and I mean, their last game, they're playing New Mexico State for a second time. So I'm not really sure what I take in, in them playing a, a team that they beat by 16 the first time around and playing them again. So I, I'm not I'm not going to take it. it. Look, I get it, undefeated. And, and again, you and me both. And look, neither of us picked Tulane here. It could, at the end of the day, just all be a moot point and Tulane actually just right. does beat Tulane is the UTSA. Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, maybe they just rightfully should be. I just look at the way they're playing, and I'm worried about it. Yeah, same, um, same, yeah. Uh, uh, but but if they beat, look, if they beat UTSA next week, I forget, uh, they're playing actually at FAU. They got the alma mater this week. They're at FAU, but FAU can't score. I don't expect. It could be an ugly defensive game, but I think I think Tulane will take care of business there. And then, you know, at look, no, they're home versus UTSA. And then they play SMU. Those are two really good teams they have to still get through. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, neither one of us went with the current favorite, but you know we're, we're projecting, so it's it's a hard one. Yeah, very hard. Again, James Madison, you know, hopefully can get something done. And even if even if there's an, there's not enough six and sixteens, I don't think that means they'll get into year six bowl. Though I think that just means they'll get into one of the lower bowl games yeah. that they just can't. Which sucks, man. Which that'd be such such a huge thing for that program, and it sucks that a BS rule is keeping them from it. But. Uh, all right, final thing we got to do is trivia. Last week I went four for five. You bounced back. I think you went two for five. 
Was it? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, yeah. so I yeah, it was, it was two. Yeah, it was it was better. Better yeah. than zero for five. Better than zero for five. So let's see if I can go five for five. Let's see if you can go five for five, and, and hopefully neither of us uh, go over like like a couple weeks ago. But let's get to our first question for trivia from producer Eli back in the studio today. Number one, this player leads the Power Five with seventy rushes that gained a first down. You got Amarion Hampton. Taj Brooks, uh, Kyle Menangia, and then Bucky Irving from Oregon. Obviously, Bucky Irving is the picture right there. That mm. is interesting. Actually, there are a lot of players that I didn't expect to be on that list. So I'm, I'm kind of stuck right now. Who are you looking at? No, as usual, I'm caught between two. I'll be honest with you. It's always a thing. I can always get it down to two. <laughs> oh, man. Um... I think I have. I think I have an answer. Yeah, Irving's such like the easy pick. I don't think which it's is him. what makes which is what makes me hate it. I don't think it's him. I don't know if they. You don't think it's him? No. You don't think it's Irving? You don't think it's okay? Then I'm 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 going with Hampton. I was wicked. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I I did. I had the deep dive on the North Carolina game this weekend. Uh, Hampton. Drake May's obviously their best player, but Hampton makes their offense go. I'm going with Hampton. I am actually going to go with Taj Brooks, who I think might be the most underrated player in the country, or one of the most underrated running backs in the country from Texas Tech. He has been carrying that offense this year. I know I, when I was in Ultimate Perusing a few days ago, I know he was leading. He was at the top five in a lot of stats. I'm, I'm going to say Taj Brooks is one of the most underrated running backs in the country. I think he's the answer for this one. So Taj Brooks, my final answer, it is Hampton. All right, it is Amarion Hampton. All right, nailed so it. Dalton, Dalton, one for one. I'm zero for one right now. Let me write this down. So, so impressed with him in this North Carolina game. And, and Drake May obviously made plays and he made winning plays. But I, I'm telling you, he's Amarion Hampton does not get enough credit for what what they're doing down there in North Carolina. Yeah, Kyle Monning guy, I think is how you pronounce it. I completely botched that, but he's a star, dude. He was awesome in that in that uh, Rutgers Ohio State game a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you watched that. Oh, yeah. oh my god, dude, he was keeping them alive in that game. That was unbelievable. Uh, only if only Nick Singleton or Keishon Allen could do that for Penn State a few weeks ago. But I digress. Let, next question. Question number two. This quarterback leads the Power Five with 1,868 passing yards off of play action. You got Quinn Ewers, Jackson Dart, Dylan Gabriel, and then Caleb Williams. Who leads the, leads the Power Five with the most passing yards off of play action this year? Interesting. I got it down to two again. Ooh, this is a hard one. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, sorry, it was Dart, Ewers, Caleb, and who was the last one? Um, uh, um, oh, I Dylan Gabriel. Dylan it, Gabriel. Was, it was one I took out, so I already forgot it. Dylan um, Gabriel. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Eli. <sighs> I would say Caleb, dude. One. I think it's Caleb. Although they do, they do a lot of straight dropbacks, though. I just know he has like the second most passing yards in the country or third. Or he's second. He's second. I know that. He's second behind Penix. So I think, I don't know. Oh, because I, my only thing is I, I went on the big rant with Dart and play action last week. And I don't know where that might stand now and how that. I'm going to go Caleb. Final answer. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Jackson Dart. Okay. Let me ride with Jackson Dart and Lane Kiffin and all that stuff because they take deep shots, man. I'm, even even this past week, they got a couple deep shots down the sideline. They just couldn't play any defense. I'm, I'll take Dart. I'm going with the graphic. 
All right, I love it. It is Dylan oh. Gabriel. It is the guy mm. you crossed out immediately. That's surprising. Mm. Good for him. Did not know that. All right, so you are I, one for two. I'm still over. I thought he was a little. I thought he was a little cold recently for that. Maybe. <laughs> wow. Yeah, actually, he had an awesome game this past weekend. Um, I forgot who they Oh were. yeah, West, yeah, West Virginia. West oh, my, didn't yeah. he have like six touchdowns in that game or something like that? He had something crazy. I, uh, I didn't see. I didn't see the numbers. That felt like a bounce back game for Oklahoma going into it. I was like, ah, they're probably gonna. Yeah, they're gonna get back on the horse here. He had. 423 yards, five touchdowns in that game. And then three rushing. He had eight total touchdowns. He had three rushing touchdowns, too. That's insane. That's getting back on the horse horse after two down ones, for sure. That's That's, that's like freaking Jane Daniels-type performance out there. Oh, my God. We might be uh, Oklahoma fans going to come at us again for crossing him out of the Heisen race too quickly. Um, All right, question number three. I didn't know he not scored eight touchdowns. Uh, This team has the most rushing touchdowns in the Power 5. So this team has 32 rushing touchdowns, most in the Power 5. you got USC, Oklahoma, North Carolina, and LSU are your four possible answers. Man. Ooh, after that, after what you just told me about Gabriel, that gives me some pause. Yeah. No, I'm going. I'm I'm going LSU. LSU. All right, that's the picture. Yes. I'm gonna go USC, Oklahoma, North Carolina, LSU. I'm gonna go. Mm, give me Oklahoma, actually. Give me Oklahoma. Let's see if the Sooners did it. That's the other one. It's Gabriel. Oh, it is. Oh, USC. it is USC. Wow. wow, I did not expect wow. that. I'm I was going LSU because honestly, because a couple weeks of when we had all that, they run inside the red zone constantly, and then Daniels can just score from wherever he feels like. Yeah, hmm. I, I was going, I was going with the red zone running thing that we had a couple weeks ago. Right. Damn, dude, USC, I'm over. Marshawn Lloyd, man, is he yeah. leading the country in touchdowns? Uh good question. I don't think he is, but that, I mean, he's got to be close then. I mean, because Caleb has a, has a few, but I don't know if he's got as many as he did last year. Obviously. Um. Yeah, I'm looking right now. But, dude, I'm 0 for 3 right now, Dalton. We're getting into danger territory right now. You're 1 for 3. You got you got real high and mighty on that 4 for 5 <laughs> is what you did. You didn't That's exactly what you did. You got don't don't get arrogant on this. I got so cocky. Over. I got so cocky. Blake Corum leads the country with 18 rushing touchdowns this year. Okay. Uh, so that's the so USC. Weird. They're they're just spreading it around cuz I don't see Dude, Marshawn Lloyd only has 9. Yeah, what the hell? How many How many does Caleb have? How the heck do they have? Tw- How do they have thirty-two? He's Caleb's got eleven, and Lloyd has nine. That's 20. Who else is running these in? They oh, have all oh, that uh, Austin Jones kid has a lot. I know he's always scoring he's, in every game. It feels like he uh, has six, and they have like a they have one, two, three. They have eight different players with a rushing touchdown this year. That's very oh, I guess a lot of uh, end arounds like Zachariah Branch. I'm sure oh, all sorts of all sorts of yeah. Huh. Interesting. Nope. All right. Good question. Yeah, right. That's not very Dave, surprising. Dave Dave wins. Dave wins that round. Yeah, that was All good. Right. Yeah, I'm getting cocky right now, but I'm getting very nervous with uh, my 0 for 3. So let's see. <laughs> uh, question four. 
Michigan and Georgia rank first and second in fewest missed tackles this season. Which Power 5 team is third with only 67? So Michigan's only missed 50 tackles this year. Georgia's missed 66. That's the first and second fewest in the, I believe, country. Or, or Power 5, excuse me. Uh, Power 5, which is third? So you got Rutgers, Oregon, Oregon State, and Clemson. So which of those Power 5 schools is third with the fewest missed tackles this year? Good question. All right, if this is if this is Clemson, then A and M should make the call. Um, <laughs> I'm between two. I'm always between two. I actually, for some reason, I kind of think it's Oregon State. Interesting. I was gonna say. I, my only other one is Rutgers, and I go, look who they've played. That's, that's what I was thinking, too. Rutgers. Oregon's very sound, though. Oregon's really sound on defense. For know. some reason, I like Oregon State. I'm going with it. All right, Oregon State. And then it was... Give me uh, give me the Scarlet Knights, man. Give me my hometown my hometown team. You're going, you're going, you're going Rutgers. Oh, it is he Rutgers. Oh, let's go. I was, I was, I was between the two of them. Oh, thank God. I was God. between the two of them. Man, oh man, I'm like, they probably they. they I mean, what nobody. is it? They lost. Was it 22 to nothing this week with Iowa? Yeah. They probably still didn't miss a tackle. Did Iowa? You see that Iowa could have scored a touchdown that would have pushed the over, and they decided not to. Oh, they weren't gonna do that. Oh, no. that would now it's tradition. That <laughs> they have and to. Hit the and Iowa under is just tradition now. You can't. You can't bust that. Lowest over under ever, and it's still hit. And then last week it was the lowest over under ever, and if, it, it hit. Hey, by 10. if they if they score too much, those kids will start going in the portal. I can't have that. <laughs> Spencer Petras just entered the portal from Iowa. I'm. So, I didn't even know he was still there, honestly. So, didn't he get hurt? I think so. Yeah, he just, he literally just entered the portal today. Um, so that that was semi big news but all right one for four for each of us dalton so let's see who can ultimately win or if any of us can win in this one iowa and this team has allowed the fewest completions on deep throws in the power five this year you got penn state alabama georgia and virginia tech getting a shout out as well so which team has allowed the fewest completions on deep throws this year i'm going to start off i think it's penn state i'm going penn state surprised that iowa uh you know Iowa's usually up there, too, but I think Penn State – dude, Michigan did not throw the ball on them. They didn't even try throwing the ball. I, I, yeah, State, they didn't, yeah it's, I'm like, when you, get a whole, when you get a whole game with an advantage, yeah. Yeah, I oh, think it's Penn man. State. I, uh, didn't we have this something like this already? A few weeks ago, yeah. This, the deep completion one? And it, wasn't, it wasn't any of those schools. I think it was like Clemson, wasn't it? No, you, yeah, because you told me – I oh, remember it was you, deep touchdowns, I think. Deep touchdowns. Was it deep touchdowns? And you took Penn State, and it no. You told me it wasn't Penn State with the touchdowns, and it wasn't. And you were right. I took Penn State, and you told me it wasn't, and you were right. And you took I knew, somebody else. I knew I of what. I knew of two. I knew of Indiana had two big ones, and there's three total. So I was like, there's there's no way there's only one more after that. Um, I'm it's going Penn Bama, State, for, Georgia. Yeah, Bama, Bama Georgia, Georgia, Penn State, and Virginia. I'm I'm. For as much as I want to say Bama, it's not going to be because they played LSU. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going. Penn, I'm going Penn State also. Give it to opposition. Wow. Even the good teams. One one of them didn't throw, and one of them had Kyle McCord. I'm not. I'm. I'm going. I'm going Penn State also. All right. Anticlimactic ending because both of us get it. Wow. Was Vatek? Look at Vatek. 
What Not are we tech doing? getting it. Wow. wow. Do the research. Do the research. <laughs> what are we doing? Oh man. Wow, they they just get dinked and dunked like that. Wow. Dude, dunk. Bad performance from both of us, man. One for five. Virginia Tech. I wouldn't have picked Virginia Tech for anything. No. I was. I was. I. I wanted to say Bama, and I just knew I was like, now nah, they played LSU. That, they I, the LSU thing held me back too. That's what I was thinking too. But wow. Um, when's the last time? When's the last time Penn State gave it? Well, they gave up one. One in the Indiana game. I think it was two. Was it two? Even then, that's not. I mean, it's totally oh, on deep throws. I think one of them was just a catch and run, honestly. So. All right. So yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Wow. I, the only, well, the only ones dragging down the Bama thing are the are the Texas game and probably the LSU. Yeah, the Texas, Texas game LSU, for sure. Yeah. Was it Penn State? Who's dropping bombs on Penn State? I don't know, man. I Indiana don't. got one. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Harrison didn't get anything deep. He caught fifteen slants on him. Yeah. Oh, there might have been a couple that just. Barely crossed over twenty yards, and Ohio wow. State. Wow, that's surprising. Wow, dude, we suck today. One for five even, for each of us. Michigan even spotted them a whole game. Virginia Tech. I wonder what that number is. They must be really sitting back. Yeah, that's crazy. I think it was the number of sixty-seven. They're one behind. Uh, was it Georgia? Who was? I don't even know who the top two were. Michigan and uh, one other school. But um, yeah, man, one for five, man. Both of us twenty percent on the wow, day. Dave, the real Dave's the real winner here, man. Dave, Dave stumped wow. us, dude. That's somebody, somebody get him, get him a bonus or a gift, get him a gift card to Skyline Chili. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not using oh my it. God. I'm definitely not using it. Uh, You're so, you, you still haven't gone? No. It's so gross. Eli, I know hates it too, dude. Eli is so mad at me that I haven't tried it. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you stuck in a Twitter debate about this. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> we should, uh, we should just do like a taste test on air one day of just eating skyline chili. That'd I'm all fun. about that. If you, I, hopefully, if we get to go to the combine or senior bowl or something like that together, and we get to do a show, that'd be hilarious if we do that. But also, we couldn't get skyline chili then, honestly. But uh, yeah, right. Dude, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, I haven't tried it yet. It looks so gross, and I'm I don't know, I don't know. I don't really want to try it. But you're wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> Sorry, you're wrong. You're wrong on four out of five trivia questions, and you're wrong on this. So I win today. That's fair. Okay, that's what we got though for what was a loaded show covering a lot of different stories in college football. Appreciate you guys for watching us. If you did watch uh, until the end. But uh, yeah, we got a loaded preview show coming on uh, on Wednesday as well. Some some really interesting games. It's not like huge, massive top ten showdowns like we had this past weekend, but some really really interesting games. And we still might have a top ten showdown between Washington and Oregon State, depending on where the committee ranks Oregon State after this week. But yeah, so make sure you guys tune in for that on Wednesday. Should some really really good games that we're going to preview. And yeah, only a couple more weeks, man. Only a couple more weeks until conference championship Saturday. That's crazy. Uh, so we're coming out to the end of it now. But for Dalton Wasman, for producer Eli back there, I'm Max Chadwick, and we will see you guys on Wednesday for our Week 12 preview.